0: Well, good morning, Midlothian. I want to look at the camera in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's Edition, as well as the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. Can we welcome them this morning? Thank you, guys. Love you. (laughs) Love what God is doing. Um, Hey, we're in a series this month really exciting that'll change our church forever and that is called Next. And uh, so I wanna make sure everyone gets a ministry update guide. So if you didn't get one of these little... uh little pamphlets on the way in called Next. Just lift your hand up real quick in the lobby. Come on, say good morning to the lobby. Love you guys. And uh, in this room, just hold your hand up high. And we got our hosts coming right through here at Scott's edition. Just hold your hand up high. I want to make sure everyone gets one of these. It has some ministry updates of what God has done over the last year. Amazing things. And this little card, don't let this scare you, okay? Uh, this is a, a commitment card that we're going to give together at the end of this month, okay? Okay. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, don't worry, it's not today. Come on, tell them that. It's not going to ask for money today. Okay, come on. And uh, uh, But um, this little card, uh, a lot of us last year started this journey, and we filled this card out. And uh, a lot of us will just click affirm at the end of this month that we're continuing on the journey of what we've already committed to and not asking for anything more. Maybe some of you, um, God's blessed you in a way that you... Th- you think you can increase. And then I believe a whole bunch of people are new to the chapel and you're just learning about next. You might wanna join the journey. So the last Sunday of this month, once we give some ministry highlights and vision, we're all gonna have a commitment Sunday and we're gonna turn these cards in together on uh, Sunday, March 26th. We'll drop these all in together and celebrate. So um, re- really hear my heart on this card. It's not, um, it's not uh, the amount of, that we give, it's that all of us participate. Our goal this year is 100% participation, okay? I have a son who committed $9 a month to next. And he, and he said to me, he said, um, uh, what, what difference does $9 a month make? And I said, well, one day you're gonna wanna stand in the new building and, and talk about how you were a part of that. He said, a very small part of that. And I said, well, what if I tell your story and God has 100 other students give $9 a month. And uh, well, how many know it's just all of us participating, right? 100% participation, not the amount. It's just all of us saying, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And that's what we're going to do at the end of this month. It's a two-year ministry plan. In fact, if you're new here, uh, last year uh, we rolled out this two-year ministry vision to make space for what God's doing here in our city to prepare for a uh, permanent facility purchase in Scott's edition, future campuses, ministry outreaches. For years, we've been turning turning. turning people away to VBS and all kinds of stuff just to make space for what God's doing and ministry plan and people have jumped in so well and uh, we are on our way. I don't know if you saw in Midlothian, the house is knocked down up front for extra parking. How many know we need a little more parking and uh, make some space for what God's doing? So it's going to be an incredible, uh, incredible month. Let me just pray for us today as we begin a journey of next. uh, Would you do me a favor? Just hold your hand over your chest, would you, wherever you are? Jesus, we know that you're calling us as a church to step out and to step forward, that you have things for us to do, not even just as a church, but individually, callings on our life and destiny. So, God, I pray over the next month, God, that you'd uh, restore vision, maybe in some that have lost it, and and fuel those that have vision, and God, speak vision maybe to those that don't. We surrender our lives, our families, our future to you jesus we love you and we praise you in jesus name and everybody said together amen Amen. hey wherever you're watching would you just turn to the person next to you and tell them you look good come on tell them that all over the room you look good come on scott's edition you look good well um the drive to visit my in-laws in florida is about 13 hours and that's right on the line of a one-day trip or a two-day trip how many know 13 hours is like uh you know so when i'm trying to make it on a one-day trip the kids say i have to go to the bathroom and i say no you know just and the, you know whenever we stop i'm watching when they buy gatorade i'm like you can't drink that you know how bad is it how many know what i'm talking about how bad you know like, like come on scale of one to ten you know and when i stop everybody's got to go to the bathroom even if you don't have to go you got to go and, yeah and parents know what i'm talking about right like and and, uh, and and yet i know this whenever we hit savannah georgia that's about feels about uh, i'm just over halfway uh, i'm i kind of get rejuvenated when i hit savannah okay i don't know why i just something about savannah come on somebody say savannah yeah savannah me and once in a while my wife will say to me can you make it the rest of the way that's the wrong question to ask yes i can what do you mean can i Can the people behind us make it the rest of the way? That's a challenge. And something about Savannah reminds me why I started the trip. I started the trip because I can't wait to stay in a two-bedroom with my in-laws in a retirement community. I can't wait to be... My father-in-law keeps the AC at 82. I can't wait to just enjoy the sauna-like conditions of Florida and swim in the retired pool and eat at the potlucks and be part of their game night. I can't wait to have six people in a one-bedroom apartment. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and, and there's something about just reminding yourself of why we're doing it. And, and, and we're at the halfway point. That's what next month will be. So, so this is Savannah, okay? This is the halfway point of something we've called Next, which is a two-year ministry plan that changes our church forever. Our future, what God has for generations, uh, expanding our auditorium, preparing for Scott's edition, additional campuses, all that God is gonna do in outreach and missions in our church. And I just wanna pause and say we're slightly ahead of schedule. Can we just give Jesus praise for your generosity? So thankful for you. We just, hey, catch this. We just submitted for permitting, so we ought to get a response to that. And Then you're going to see concrete, steel, and, and Jesus is going to be out there. I'm telling you. And, uh, and so thank you for, for all those updates. Uh, but I want to give you one other update as we're in this month of updates. And this is the greatest outreach in the history of our church. You know, we've been streaming through uh, Try Hope and the partnership there, church into the Chesterfield County Jail. And this is amazing to me. This started four weeks ago. We started doing this, mailing DVDs to Virginia Department of Corrections because the chapel, catch this, has just been invited to send church into 42 correctional facilities in Virginia. Can somebody give Jesus praise today? Come on, 42. I can't even believe I'm saying that. And, uh, and this, these are not services. These are right to the cells through technology, either through a tablet or a, or a machine right on the wall. They're able to watch church. So I want to today, for the first time, not only welcome Chesterfield County Jail, but in a real public way, say how honored we are, 24,000 men and women in Virginia Department of Corrections in 42 locations. We are honored to be here. Men and women, we love you. You're not a project to us. You're our people. And we're honored to be able to do church with you, and so gotten some of your letters, some of your correspondence, so I'm honored to be able to just communicate with you along the way, and man, look what the Lord has done right and i 'm so honored of what he 's done, and I want to cast some vision today from from Matthew chapter sixteen of what jesus plan is for our lives and for our church, and really rooted all in scripture and there 's this famous passage where Jesus asks, "Who do people say that I am?" And it takes place in a small town in the ancient world called Caesarea Philippi. Okay? Caesarea Philippi is just a small little town. It's kind of the armpit of, of of Israel. You know, it's not this cool area you'd want to be. It's it's kind of a out of nowhere place. And it's here that Jesus asks his disciples, Who do people say Jesus is? Who's the Son of Man? And it's in Caesarea Philippi, most scholars think, because at that place is a high elevation where you could notice 14 different temples to different gods. And it's as if Jesus is asking a seminal question. This is a unique moment. This is the first time in his ministry he'll actually look to the future and talk about the church. And he looks at all the different um, uh, temples and statues that are littering the hillsides of all the different other gods. And he asks his people a question in that moment. Am I just another God to you, is what he's saying? Am I just another religion on the hill that dots the skyline of Israel? Or is there something different to me? And it's in the place called Caesarea Philippi that Peter will declare Jesus is the son of God. How many know Jesus isn't a way to God? Jesus is the way to God. How many know Jesus isn't a religion? He is the relationship with the creator, right? In fact, let me show you it today so we get a real grounding in scripture. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, by the way, Caesarea is named after Caesar, Caesar Philippi. These Roman politicians were so stuck on themselves, they would name a lot of cities after themselves. So they'd not only be able to call a place Caesarea, but he'd have other Caesareas because he was into himself, right? Come on. How many know people of power have oftentimes abused power in human history, right? And so Caesar here stuck on himself and Jesus says, hey, you got political power here. You got all these other gods. Who, Who are people saying that I am? And look at what his disciples said. Some say you're John the Baptist and others say you're like Elijah. Others say like you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So they're They're answering the question. A lot of people recognize you're a man of God. You remind them of John the Baptist. You remind them of the great prophet Jeremiah or one of the prophets of old. But Jesus, it isn't enough to know what the people say. Look how he makes it personal. I love this. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? How many know this is the most important question ever asked in human history? Personally, who do you say I am? How many know when we get to heaven, God won't say, what did other people say about me? The question will only be, what did you say about me, right? And I love this. Who do you say I am? All the other people have said different things. I love Simon Peter. He speaks up. He often is the one who speaks up. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Come on, somebody. How many believe he's the son of the living God? Come on, let's say that together. He's the what? He's the son of the living. He's not a God, a teacher, a moral person. He, he's not a, a great leader. He is the he may be all those things, but he's more than those things. He's the son of God, right? And, and Peter says, you're the, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus gets so fired up. He says, that's amazing. Blessed are you. This wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will what? I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it or overcome it. So I want to ask us as we're launching this month of next, what's next for our church? What's next for our lives? What's next for our families? What's next for our community? As we're answering those questions, I want us to make four commitments together today that, that I think will start us off in the right direction. And this first one may seem simple, but man, if we don't get this, we miss it altogether. The first commitment we need to make is we need to be committed to Jesus. He says, Who do you say that I am? Committed to Jesus. <laughs> Committed to who? Jesus. Jesus. Committed to Jesus. This is an incredible thing. Jesus is saying, I'm not just asking who people out there say I am. I'm asking who do you say? Is he, is he my savior, my Lord? Is he a, do I have a personal relationship with him? And then he's asking, do you see me as just another way to God, as just another religion out there, as just another ruler? Or do you see me as unique? And the disciples say, No, you are the Christ the son of the living God. We need to say this as a church. We can get no further as a church than Jesus. You say, what's the vision of next year for the church? I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna be Jesus. What are our small groups gonna to try to do? Connect us to Jesus. What are we gonna teach our kids next year? We're gonna teach them about Jesus. And what are we gonna preach on next week? Come on, we're gonna preach about Jesus. And what's our church going to be built on? It's going to be built upon Jesus. In fact, I'm I'm even starting to realize we should say the word God. Make sure we say with God, Jesus' name sometimes. I mean, a lot of people say God, but there's only one God, and it's Jesus Christ, right? And it's a picture of us saying we are committed to who Jesus is. We're committed to his kingdom. We're committed to his rule. Peter says, you are the son of the living God. I'm reminding us today, Jesus is the answer. This church is built upon Jesus. We are Christ-centered, Jesus-centered, Jesus-exalting, Jesus-loving, Jesus-filled, Jesus-breathed, Jesus-following people, okay? We, listen, we can't get to just be a social country club that's gathered around political ideas or, or common values. Listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with any of those things. I am saying, though, what sets us apart is a man was dead, and on the third day, he got out of the grave and set himself apart from human history. He's son of the living God. He's Jesus, okay? In fact, Paul says in Ephesians, and the paraphrase says it well, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and sent him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe and everything from galaxies to govern governments no name and power are exempt from his rule and not just for the time being but forever jesus is in charge of it all he has the final word on everything at the center of all this christ rules the church the church you see is not peripheral to the world and the world the world is peripheral to the church the church is christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he feels everything with his presence here's what paul is saying everything is held together by jesus everything is is under his power the word became flesh and dwelt among us christ is supreme preeminent above beyond but be, uh, jesus i can stay here all day but if you just agree that that we're all cool with this i'll move on to the next point let's take a vote together how many know we're all about jesus come on just about jesus right and this is so important because the danger in church life is to slip into a fad or a, or a following or a cultural focus or a side deal or, or to get pulled into different directions. And churches have to stay and commit themselves over and over again to just say, no, we're going to be Christ-centered and Jesus-focused and Jesus-exalting and Jesus-worshiping and, and jesus said Jesus is, jesus, we're committed to Jesus. <laughs> we're just committed. If we don't have that, we don't have anything, Right? And, and just we have, we're committed to Jesus. And that that's what Jesus says. He sets himself apart and gives his disciples an opportunity to answer this question, to settle once and for all the reality that he is the living God. And then it's interesting. He says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build my what? Come on, help me out. I'm going to build my what? I'm going to build my church, right? Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Now, some of you who grew up in church, if you didn't, you might not have heard this, but some of us that grew up in Sunday school heard something like this when we were a kid. Okay. It goes like this. Okay. This is the church and this is the steeple. <laughs> Open the doors and here's all the, the people. How many have heard that? Okay. Come on, let's do that together. Take your hands. It's really fun. Come on, just take them. I know it's kind of goofy. Come on, let's sit. Come on, Scott's edition. Come on in the lobby. I can see you. I can see you. And uh, come on, say it with me. This is the church and this is the steeple. You open the door and here's all the, here's all the people. And so a church must be a steeple and a, and a building. And, a, and, and, and yet here's the point. Uh, the church is not the building. The church is not the building. How many know in persecuted countries around the world, they're meeting under a tree outside of town? Don't tell me that's not the church. That's the church. In fact, that may be more the church than in persecuted countries. They're meeting in basements hidden in the middle of the night. How many know that's the church? You say they don't have a sign. They don't have a steeple. Well, they don't need a steeple. (laughs) I mean, how many know we are the church? So what does Jesus mean when he says church? Let me show you what the word church means. It's ecclesia. It literally means act out of, kaleo means to call. So it's called out ones. Here's what Jesus says the church is. It's people who have been called out of another way of living to follow Jesus. So we're not only committed to Jesus, write this down today. We're committed to Jesus. Help me out. To Jesus what? We're called out of something and into something else. Jesus teaches his followers that they're called out ones. They're, they're called out of just following whatever the ways of the world are to follow the ways of God. They're called out one. They're committed to Jesus' cause. I, we could put it this way. We're called to someone to do what? Something. So we're called first to someone so then we can do something. It's a commitment to the cause of Christ. People everywhere are looking for a cause and we do all kinds of things as a church and we we feed the homeless and we care for the orphans and the widows and we love on the community and we fight for justice but Ultimately, the cause of Christ is to introduce people to Jesus. That's what we're committed to, introducing people to Jesus. We're called to someone to do something. That's why Growth Track, it's so exciting. It's step one of Growth Track today. That's why it's so exciting because we get a chance to jump on a team. We get a chance to do something together to make a difference with people who want to make a difference. We get a chance to be together and to pursue a common cause. And I think we're living in a world that needs a cause, right? that needs a purpose, that needs a plan, that needs a sense of calling on their life. And Jesus said, I'm gonna call you out of something and into something. How many know when you follow God, it's a call out of a wandering way of life into a new way of life, right? I've told you this before, but when my youngest daughter and I go to Target, it's the difference between someone living on mission and someone living meandering, okay? If I go in Target, it's because I need something. And as I walk in, I need to know what aisle it's in and how I'm going to get there and what the quickest way in and out is and what the shortest I'm just, I'm just passing through. I'm there to get it and get out. How many know my daughter is there to, to experience? <laughs> Where are we? What are you getting? I'm getting this. Well, why are we in this part of the story? Well, because I need to, I'm working my way around the perimeter of the story, but it's over there. Well, I know, Dad, but just relax. It's, I don't want to relax. I'm on mission, girl, okay? You're just wasting time. Redeem the time, young lady, you know? And that's fine in shopping, but some, some, some people are just living their life wandering around. I don't know what to do. I don't, know how, I don't have any purpose. I don't have any direction. I'm aimless. I'm wandering. I'm searching for a mission. The cause of Jesus gives us a mission, a purpose, a plan, a calling on our life. That's what next is about. It's about us as a church saying we exist to glorify God, know him, enjoy him, serve him, and invite others in the journey, right? And Jesus said what he's going to do is he's going to, I love this promise, he said it's not up for debate. He's going to what? He will what? Build his church. Not only committed to Jesus and not only committed to Jesus' cause, write this down, we're committed to Jesus' cure, right? How many know there's a problem in the world and it's sin? How many have sinned so far this year in 2023? Anybody batting a thousand? I would love to meet you after. Right? Like no, no, no. All of us, but the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God sent His own Son and demonstrated His love that Christ died for us when we were yet sinners. And so the message of Jesus is that He cures. our our greatest problem of sin, that he reconciles us to God the Father, that he takes us separated from God and he bridges the gap by his own death and the message of Jesus is the cure. You see, if the problem with the world was just education, then Jesus would have only been a teacher and he would have just established a school. But how many know even when you get education, you have problems? Come on, right? And if, if the problem was just government, then Jesus would have established a president. And if the problem was just, was just war, Jesus would have established an army. But if the problem was human sin, he would have sent a savior to take away our sin, right? And that's who Jesus is. He's come to take away our sin. Anybody glad for forgiveness of sins, right? I mean, what a promise. We alone have that hope that christ the son of the living god takes away our sin that's why it's why jesus said peter only uh, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you only my father in heaven he says you've got a connection to god through me and then he i love this and peter because of this on this rock jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell or hades will not or is jesus going to build his church you say i'm not sure the world looks pretty bad right now. Come on. I mean, like is it really going to happen? I mean, you know, is Jesus really going to build this church? I mean and I feel I feel like the more I talk to people, they look at the world and they're uncertain of it. I'm here to remind you today Jesus is going to build his church in the chapel and around the world because he promised to, and Jesus never fails, right? In fact, I got thinking of all the times in human history that people would doubt whether or not the church was going to be built. I was thinking of uh, 313 AD when Diocletian made uh, Christianity illegal in Rome. And he threatened to people with their life. And people thought, surely this will stamp out the, the only you know, 250-year-old church. Surely there's no hope, and yet Jesus built his church. Constantine came on. It became the religion of Rome, you know, and around the world, and the gospel flourished. I was thinking of uh, the French infidel, Voltaire, who during the Renaissance said that Christianity didn't make sense. Uh, He thought skeptically that with the Renaissance of education, this outdated idea called Christianity would go away. And Voltaire actually said within 100 years of his death, the only place you would find a Bible would be in a museum. And then Voltaire died and the Geneva Bible Society bought his house and printed Bibles from his living room. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) The Huguenots, right? The Huguenots in France, right? They were told... That stop preaching this gospel and they said pound away with human hands the hammer breaks the anvil stands you can still read the the plaque there as the church of jesus was built oh in the middle of a tough of a tough and difficult time i'm telling you the roman empire could not stamp out the church islamic extremists could not snuff out the church cynical college professors can't stop the church i'm telling you jesus is in the business of building His church And what a reminder to us today that the reason he's going to build his church is because it doesn't rest in us, it rests in him. Jesus doesn't say, you're going to build the church, guys. He says, who's going to build it? I will what? I will build my church. Jesus is good. The reason we can have confidence in the local church is because Jesus is all about the church. It's the only thing he promised to build. And he didn't promise to build any other institutions, but the church. And he promised to build his church. And I know there's a lot of skepticism in the world, but if you study what's happening globally in China and many parts of the Middle East and Latin America, the the church is growing at the fastest rate in human history. Now, our country is plateaued. I don't know about you, though. I'm sensing some signs of God at work in our culture, aren't you? You know? And I know I know people have always said the church is going to die out. In fact, I'll never forget during COVID, that was a really encouraging time to be a pastor. <laughs> people said to us, you should sell all your buildings. No one's ever, no one's ever coming back to in-person church because they have online church. So we should sell our buildings and just all get a podcast or Zoom and we just good morning everyone. Good morning. And I thought to myself, "Is anyone ever really coming back? To, surely no one's coming back. Maybe no one's coming back to church. Maybe we should. You never know. Maybe no one's coming. Maybe no one's. Come. Maybe no one. Hey, look around. Come on, no one's coming back to church. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why? Because what? What cynical professors or health departments or opposition or empires? or persecution cannot do is stop what God is building, the local church. Why? Because it's the hope of the world because it preaches the message of Jesus, right? Jesus said, I will build my church. And then he says this, and what? The gates of hell won't prevail against it. And the gates, here's what that means, that the church is advancing towards something. So the gates would, end, how many know to walk up to someone's gate, you have to move towards it, right? Have you ever been towards a gate that moved towards you? You know? You're never like, hey, keep your gate away from me, right? Like, if you go up to the gate, here's what Jesus is assuming that his, catch this, that his church is advancing, that his church is moving forward. Here's what next is. Here's what all this month is. It's we thank God for what Jesus has done in the past at the chapel, but it's us saying there's still more people to reach in the one million new condos that somehow they're building in this town. And I don't know who the people are, but they're probably all like me moving from upstate New York. Come on, somebody, <laughs> get away from that. And, and, uh, and we're going to reach them with the message of Jesus, introduce them to sweet tea, and get them in church. Come on. <laughs> Next is us just saying we haven't accomplished all that God's called us to. There's still a mission and a cause and a purpose and a calling on our life and the gates of hell. We're going to move forward. Hey, we're going to move forward. Hey, in our lives, we're going to move forward. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and what? How many know you can't change your yesterday? You can live present in your today, and you can take steps of faith for your tomorrow, right? And that's what we're doing. We're trusting God in the middle of this that Jesus said, I will build my church. In fact, the early Christian fathers tell us that these verses were huge for the early church because the early church was so close to extinction. In fact, I want to just show you, imagine, I'm going to skip ahead and show you this. Katie and I, a few years ago, anybody know where we're standing here? The Roman Colosseum, where it was used for sport in Rome, but eventually under persecution in the early church, they would make Christians wrestle lions for the sport of those that would watch. and you could imagine the Apostle Paul and Peter and John, the early Christian followers, as they were getting ready to die, and there was only these little churches planted all over the world that they had no idea if those churches would continue. We have books like Romans and Corinthians, and we think of these as like big churches, but these are little house churches. These are little groups of 30, 40, 50 people in homes that are meeting. And imagine, the, imagine if you could walk with the Apostle Paul as he's getting ready to die And he's uncertain of what's going to happen. Is the church going to make it? In fact, in the ancient world, right as Paul and the apostles were dying, Nero and Domitian and other rulers in Rome were coming to power, and they were persecuting the church. They were impaling Christians on stakes, wrapping them in tar, and using them as human torches to light their dinner parties, okay? And in the middle of that, the early church fathers had to think, what's going to happen when we die? Is the church going to be snuffed out? Is it not going to make it? What's going to happen in the future, right? And don't you wish you could go with the Apostle Paul as you walk right past the Colosseum? Nero's, Nero would have a palace there. And Nero is the great, powerful ruler there. And imagine if you could whisper in Paul's ears, hey, good news, Paul. In a few years, Nero's going to die. And they're going to build a church called St. Peter's Basilica, right where his, his place is. And it's going to be the most visited site in the world. A Jesus-centered uh, building built is going to be the most... Peter, Paul, it's okay. The, the, the church is going to make it, right? And imagine if you could walk with them through the streets, and you could just whisper, "It's going to be okay. It's gonna, it's gonna. The, the church isn't going to die out." And they're wondering, "Is there a future? And is there a hope? And is it going to make it past the, the the centuries that they're living? And how is the church going to go forward?" And imagine if you could turn to Peter and Paul, and you could say, "If you could only go to Rome today, and you could see on the top of a thousand houses crosses, which in the ancient world were a symbol of um, persecution and." and death and execution and theirs are going to litter hundreds and thousands so it's going to be the most used symbol in all of human history the cross this little thing you're building out of the church this little thing Jesus started is going to catapult around the world to over 2 billion people now claim to be Christians right imagine if you could put your arm around Paul and Peter and say it's okay hey guys I know Caesar and Nero seem really imposing but I have great news. One day people are going to name their kids Peter and John and they're going to name their dogs Caesar and Nero. (laughs) The church is going to make it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you can know this. The church is going to make it not because the church is so strong and not because the church is so smart but because the captain of this whole thing is Jesus Christ and he's never failed and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. How many are thankful Jesus will build his church, right? He's going to build his church. Build his church. We're committed to Jesus. We're committed to his cause. We're committed to his cure. Here's his last thing. We're committed to Jesus. What? Jesus Kingdom, right? How many know every kingdom has a king? Hidden in the word kingdom is the word king. That's deep preaching, isn't it? Here's what we're saying today the only thing we're trying to build isn't our reputation, isn't a system of government or structures. We're just trying to put a king on his throne and invite people into a kingdom to have a relationship with him forever and ever and ever. That's why we exist as a church, because if you don't have a king in your life, then you are the king, you know? I don't know about you, but I need something to worship that's bigger than me. I'm not very great. I mean, like, I'm just, uh, how many know if you really are all into yourself, that gets boring? How many know, how many know I'm not that great? How many know you're not that great, okay? Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're not that great. You're like, okay, not that great. I wouldn't worship you. (laughs) I remember as as Katie and I were dating, we were 18 and she was meeting my grandma. And my grandma said to her, what's it like to date our Brandon? And she said, probably not as good as you think it is. I'm here to tell you there's only one king and one kingdom. The kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of the culture around us, the Caesars, the empires, the institutions. Listen, we thank, Listen, and I thank God for this country. I think we live in a blessed country. I, I honor all those who have served and protected us. And, and man, We live in a great country. But how many know there is no kingdom but the kingdom of God, right? And Jesus declares he's building his church, his kingdom. Here's what next is about. You say, what's this whole next thing about? It's about declaring that there's a king and a kingdom. There's declaring that there's only one who can set the the things in our life in order. That when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things are added to you as well. It's about saying, Jesus, you rule and you reign in my life, in my future, in my home, in this city. It's about just creating a place and a space in our life and in our city and around this region that says our God reigns and he will build his church and even the opposition, the gates of Hades. How many know there will be opposition, right? But the gates, any of the obstacles of the world cannot overcome it because Jesus is building his kingdom. Jesus is building his kingdom. Aren't you grateful we get to partner with the king and the kingdom to see what he's doing? That's all next is, is that's us linking up with the King. And a kingdom and say, God, what can I do, right? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, right? All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, right? To which one person said, why did they call the king's horses and the king's men? Somebody should have called the king, right? And that's what the message of our church is. There's a king who loves us, who died for us, who came to give his life a sacrificial death on a cross rise from the dead and and he's seated at the center of our plan and our purpose and when that works when we're committed to his kingdom when we're building his kingdom when we're kingdom building when we're doing his work everything else in our life makes sense would you bow with me all over this room i'm going to pray for us in just a moment but what a joy we have to sit under our king and be a part of his kingdom no one's looking around. If you're here today though, you can say, pastor, I'm not sure I have a relationship with Jesus. You need to know this. This church isn't about a religion or just becoming a member or getting on the roll or anything like that. It's about meeting a a God who can change your life forever. So if you're here today and you say, pastor, I'm not sure I have a relationship with God, or um, maybe I've wandered away from it today. Would you pray for me? I want to Make sure my life, my heart is right with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand up real quick and put it right back down. I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you today. You say, Pastor, yes. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at with God, and today I need to get my heart. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I see that. Anybody else? Yep, I see that. Thank you. In the back. Yep. Anybody else? Yes, I see that. Anybody else? Online Scott's edition. You just pray a prayer that goes like this. God, I know I've made mistakes, but today I believe Jesus died and rose again. I invite him to rule as the king over my life. Take away my sin. Give me a new start. Give me your purpose and your plan in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in Savannah. Come on. How want to make the drive all the way? Come on, right? <laughs> Would you stand with me all over this room and in the lobby and Scott's edition? I know we've already done this today, and if you're not comfortable, you don't have to, but uh, something about just an act of surrender, you know? How many know a stick up always results in one thing, doesn't it? Right? sometimes I think of that when I lift my hands I'm just surrendering to the king of the universe can we do that all over this room if you're comfortable we just hold your hand palms God we lift our hands we surrender God it's God's addition in the jail God prison lift in the lobby God we lift our hands we surrender you are Lord and we are not love you God